We all want to feel like we're unique. We want to feel special. We want to know or feel like people find value in us. That people see that we all have something to offer. We all want to feel that way. At least most people want to feel that way. And yet we live in a culture today that's politically correct. Accept everybody. Everyone's point of view is equally valid. And sometimes those two ideas can, can conflict. Because to say that one person is unique, someone is special, and yet to say, well, we ought to accept everyone. We ought to recognize and tolerate everything can sometimes bring us into conflict. That's especially true when we think about Jesus. Jesus made several claims in the book of John in which he said, I am. And Jesus is saying something about his uniqueness. He's identifying with each of those statements, I am, to say there is something special about me that separates me, sets me apart from everyone else. And in many ways, he's saying, I am exclusive. And that's a message that's not accepted in our culture today. And even while Jesus says, I am unique, I am special. And even though there's a certain level of exclusivity in that statement, yet it's the case that when we find Jesus and we hear Jesus saying, I am, that he's telling us also, I am for everyone. There is an openness, an inclusiveness, to Jesus. You see, Jesus is telling us with each of those I am statements that I am special, I am unique, and I open the way for everything. This morning, I want us to think about Jesus' I am statements, and specifically looking at Jesus' statement in John chapter 14 and verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as we look at the statement, I want us to think about the significance of the statement. What is it that Jesus is really saying about his uniqueness, the exclusivity that exists in Jesus, and yet that openness, that availability, that inclusiveness for everyone? And what that means for you and I. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please return to John chapter 14 and verse 6. And let's notice how Jesus says, I am. I am the way. Notice the circumstance. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Jesus tells his apostles, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. When we look at Jesus' statement, when Jesus says, I am the way, it's important for us to realize Jesus is in the last hours of his life. Judas is already gone to betray Jesus. And so Judas isn't with Jesus and the other 11 apostles. They've already had their last supper together. And so Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Mount Olivet, where Jesus will be arrested in the garden. But in the meantime, as they're walking from the upper room, where they've had the supper, to that garden, to the place of Jesus' rest, Jesus is now preparing his apostles for what life is going to be like after his arrest and his death and his burial and his resurrection. Perhaps they can't fathom what's about to happen to Jesus. And so Jesus is telling them plainly in these chapters, here's what's going to happen. And so he begins this chapter by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Look, I'm about to leave you. I'm going to go to my father's house. But I want you to know that when I go there, I'm preparing a place for you. In my father's house, I'm going to dwell. That's an awesome statement. King James translated this, there are many mansions. But literally, Jesus is saying, in my father's house, there's many rooms. You don't have to worry about the rent. You don't have to worry about taking care of the, the grass, the lawn, because you're going to be in my father's house. All those things are going to be taken care of. It's going to be awesome. And he's having a conversation with his apostles. And as he has a conversation with his apostles, it's important for us to note that we are observers of the conversation. Not everything in the conversation is intended to be meant directly for everyone who reads these comments. There's something there for us. It reinforces us, the relationship that Jesus had with his apostles. It allows us to trust their words because Jesus is saying, I'm going to empower you to speak my truth after I'm gone. And yet as he's talking to them, as we are witnessing that conversation, we see Thomas say, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? And Jesus' message to them is, I'm going to the Father. And because I'm going to the Father, at some point you'll get to come to you. And Thomas says, but we don't know where. We don't know the way. And so Jesus gives them the answer in verse 6 when he says, I am the way. Really in this I am statement there are three key parts. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And Jesus says all three of these things are important for providing you, Thomas, with an understanding of the way. So he says, first of all, I am the way. And really all three of these speak to the fact that Jesus is the way. It's just a very common Greek word that Jesus uses here. That can be translated road or path. 
Occasionally it was used to indicate the process of the journey. But almost every place, including here, it's talking about the path. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I am a path. I am a way. But he says, I am the way. And he uses that little article to say, I am the exemplary way. I am the best way, the only way, the single way. And that's where people in our culture today sometimes get upset because Jesus is claiming here exclusivity. There's not multiple ways. Jesus says, I am the way. But then Jesus says, not only am I the way, but I am the truth. Aletheia in Greek was the version of truth that the Greek philosophers assigned to an absolute standard. There are some truths that the Greeks recognized that vary, that could change over time, but aletheia was something you could stand on. Jesus says, I am the standard of truth. You can judge all other things by me. And again, he uses the article, the truth. And then Jesus says, not only am I the way, not only am I the truth, but I am the life. The Greeks had a couple different words for life. Bios. The word from which we get biology. Then physical life. Your body. But that's not the word that Jesus uses here. Jesus uses the Greek word zoe, which means to the Greeks the idea of a spiritual life. Your soul. Your living soul. It's a spiritual life. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, absolute standard, but I am the spiritual life. Now, as Jesus is talking with his apostles, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, he now clarifies for them what he means by that. Thomas asks the question, how can we know where you're going? How can we know the way? Jesus says, I'm right here. But he clarifies that by saying, no one can come to the Father except by the Son. And when Jesus makes this statement, he now makes a universal statement. No longer is he talking specifically about his apostles, but he's making a universal truth, something that is true for everybody. And that universal truth is no one can come to the Father except by me. And he uses a little phrase, prepositional phrase, in the Greek text, which means that Jesus is an agent working on somebody else's behalf. In other words, when Jesus says, no one can come to the Father except by me, what Jesus is saying is, no one can come to the Father except I work as their agent. I work on their behalf so that they can come. In other words, if you want to be right with the Father, if you want to be able to come into the presence of the Father, you have to have Jesus working for you. 
And if Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, the life, and is exclusive, saying there's no other way, and you have that exclusivity, now when he makes the statement, no one can come to the Father except by me, in sort of a reverse way, what Jesus is saying is, anyone can come to the Father. As long as they come through me. As long as I work on their behalf. You see, Christianity is inclusive. In the sense that anyone that is in Jesus, anyone that has Jesus working on their behalf, is able to come to the Father. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what kind of sin has occurred in your life. It doesn't matter what kind of poor decisions you have made. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, where you grew up, what your education was, what kind of jobs you worked. Anyone can come to the Father. And Jesus is working for them. And so Jesus tells his apostles, he says, look, guys, you want to know the Father? You know him. Because you know me. You have seen me. And so you have seen the Father. And so Jesus, when he makes the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life, he's not just making some general, generic statement that doesn't have any meat. What Jesus is saying is, you want to come to the Father. You want to live in His house. You want to be reconciled to God. You want to have a right relationship with the Father. I am the only way that you can have that. But guess what? I'm working on your behalf so that you can have it. So that you can find that way. So that you can be on this way. So that you can have that relationship with God. Now think about the implications of that as we think about our culture today. Jesus is saying, there aren't other paths to come to the Father. We live in a culture today that says, choose your own path. Choose your own way. But Hinduism is not the way. Jesus says, you have to choose. I am the way, the truth, the life. But you know, Hinduism doesn't want you to get close to God anyway. Hinduism is all about the idea of your soul rejoining the collective soul. And you can do that through two or three different ways. By meditation. If you meditate just right, and you commune with the collective soul, then you'll have it. But the other way that everyone else is familiar with is the idea of karma. You work off your bad deeds and former lives, until finally you have such a good life that you rejoin the collective soul. There's no idea of salvation from sin. There's no idea of being with the Father. Hinduism's not the way. Buddhism was just a spring off of Hinduism. Buddha said, look, it's not that you have to work off karma, but you have to follow this eightfold path to enlightenment. And once you reach that eightfold path of enlightenment, then you reach nirvana, not Kurt Cobain. But you reach another way of thinking about that collective soul. Islam doesn't recognize Jesus as being the Son of God. 
But Islam doesn't really have the idea of needing salvation from sin. It's all about whether or not you meet God's justice. Islam's not there. Even Judaism, modern-day Judaism, is not that closely related to the Old Testament covenant we see in the scriptures today. It's built on the Mishnah, which is the oral tradition of the Pharisees who got ran out of Jerusalem when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. The very guys that Jesus argued with in his ministry. The Jews that lived under the Old Testament covenant, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, were brought into one man with the Gentiles when Jesus nailed those Old Testament covenants, or the Old Testament covenant, the law of Moses, to the cross. And the two became it. Jesus says, I am the way. And there's people in our culture today that say, that's, that, that's, that's despicable thinking that there is a single way. And yet Jesus tells us, you can count on me because I am unique. I am special. I am the way. But guess what? Anyone who's in me has me working on their behalf so that they can see the So the question is, how do we get in the way? How do we get in Jesus? And Paul tells us that God's plan from the very beginning was that we would find this salvation by being in Jesus. Notice some things with me, if you will, from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. And notice how Paul says that this was God's plan before he even said, let there be light. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now notice this. In Christ. Just as he chose us in him, that is, in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, to Himself, according to His kind intention of His will, to the praise and the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, that is, in Jesus. In Him, we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in our wisdom and insight. You see, it was God's plan from before he even started shaping the world that we could be adopted as sons and daughters for God through Jesus. It was God's plan before he ever said, let there be light, that we would have our forgiveness of sins by being Jesus. How is Jesus the way? How is he the truth? How is he the life? How is it that no one can come to the Father except that Jesus is working on his or her behalf? Paul tells us. Again, as we look in Romans chapter 5, he tells us how Jesus works on our behalf. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 tells us that while we were still sinners, or while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. In other words, what Paul is saying is Jesus died for us so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could be back in that right relationship with God. So when Jesus says, I am the truth, the, what, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except I work on his behalf. And this is the work that Jesus did for us. He died to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. And in that reconciliation, have life. I am the truth, the way, the truth. And if you look over on the next page, Romans chapter 6, verse 3, we find out how we get in Jesus. Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who died, has di- he who has died is free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. When we are in Christ, we find him to be the way, the truth, and the life. We find that Jesus has already worked on our behalf so that we could come to God so that we could stand before God holy and blameless, our sins having been removed, so that someday, when Jesus returns, we'll be able to go back and live in our Father's house. in eternity with the Father. That's a message that we can take to the world. Even though the world hears us talking about Jesus as being the way, and they say, how can there be just one way? And the answer is because only Jesus was willing to lay down his life to take away our sins. Only Jesus could reconcile us back to God. Only Jesus could take us when we were sinners and enemies of God and say, take away his sin, take away her sin, and let them be in a right relationship. But when Jesus says, I am the way to keep him life, yes, he's speaking of his uniqueness. Yes, he's talking about why he's special. Yes, he's talking about what separates him from all others. But it's because of that uniqueness. It's because of that specialness. 
that we're able to be brought back into a relationship with God with the hope of living with Him forever. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be right with God. Jesus is the way. Maybe you know of someone in your life who doesn't have that message or hasn't received that message and it's a difficult message for them to hear but it's a message of hope that says God through Christ can make you one with Him. And that's awesome. Whatever your needs are this morning, if you have a need, won't you come? Let's together with one and